Do you ever wonder how your favorite country artist got to where they are today? We had no fear whatsoever. In fact, we we probably made a lot of mistakes. People go, what are they doing? They're not ready for this. But we were so hungry to be out there in front of people that we probably should have spent a little more time honing our craft <laughs> before we just dove in. Did success come easy or was it a long, hard road? I wasn't sure I was going to make it at all, but I just kept like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. What advice would they give to a young artist? The greatest advice Elvis ever gave me. If you ever forget where you came from, you're never going to get where you want to go. Meet our co-hosts, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris. They sat down with icons in the music industry, and you've got a front row seat. Welcome to Country Music Success Stories. Hi, everybody. It's Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris. We are sitting in my living room in Boston, and we thought we would just sit down and talk about what 2022 was like because it was full of so much fun. And I love how we do this every season. We always have an episode where we get to reflect on the amazing things that we have experienced. The last time we sat together on a cozy couch, I don't know if you remember, we were in Palm Springs in your beautiful condo. And I think we were drinking wine. We're not drinking right now. Disclaimer. (laughs) It's a little early in the day. I think we were drinking last time, (laughs) but we were having such a great conversation about the experiences we had just had in Palm Springs. Well, let's start that story with your flight to Palm Springs. It was a windy day. Let's just say that. Windy. That is a severe (laughs) understatement. (laughs) When I tell you I fly all the time, I mean, I really have flown into lots and lots and lots of cities. I have never flown into a city where I feared for my life like I did when I landed <laughs> in Palm Springs. Except when she comes to see me. <laughs> it was a very windy day. You did warn me. You said we we're having a windstorm. I didn't understand the severity of that until we were about to land and the mountains were sideways. The plane was sideways. People were yelling up and down. We couldn't have drinks because it was totally unsafe to drink a beverage. Oh my God. Well, if you guys have never been to Palm Springs, it's in California and it's surrounded by the San Jacinto Mountains. When you land, you kind of dive into almost like a bowl, right? But you got to get past the wind. Your face when we finally picked you up on the sidewalk was gray. It wasn't white. It was gray. Like you'd seen death. I did. My whole (laughs) life flashed before me. Really? (laughs) Never a dull moment. Okay. So we were both super excited about our first interview of 2022 with the amazing Anthony Resta in Laurel Canyon in the Hollywood Hills in California. Do you remember the drive into the Hollywood Hills? I was just going to say to you, I had a terrifying experience landing in Palm Springs, but the drive from Palm Springs to Los Angeles was absolutely terrifying for you (laughs) for many reasons. It's like six lane highways and people drive like crazy people. It was. And then driving into Laurel Canyon, it's in the middle of all these mountains and the roads are so windy. You have to be very sober and very alert to be able to handle this. And Anthony is this great guy. And I can't wait to tell you guys all about him because we've both known him for a million years but he's living large in the Hollywood Hills and he has this studio which is well at one time it was a hunting lodge in the 1920s right and he's standing outside directing us into his driveway so not only am I doing like hairpin turns with a rental car but then we have to get into his driveway which there was no room I mean when I say no room I think you had to climb over the seat and come out the passenger side I like you couldn't even get out of your driveway side door. And we were right up against this recording studio where everybody from Steven Tyler to, oh my gosh, everyone in the world is recorded there. walking out of his studio. So let's talk about some of the people that he's worked with. 
Huge breakthrough for his career. Duran Duran, Collective Soul, Blondie, Sean Mullins, Sarah Evans, who we love and we interviewed the year before. It was so much fun. And I was thinking about how your husband, Mike Valeris, would have died to have come to this studio because this guy is obsessed with guitars. Yeah, I remember when we walked through the door, it was nothing but wall-to-wall guitars, vintage guitars, new guitars. And I remember him just kind of telling us little stories about the room and how iconic every instrument and every piece of equipment he had in there really was. It was a magical place. And I remember sitting down with you in front of his giant board. His control board. His control board where he would mix all of his songs. And he said, I'm going to go get you ladies a, what was it, an espresso? Espresso. Oh, for the love of God. (laughs) That espresso was the strongest coffee I've ever had in my entire life. (laughs) We need to listen back to that interview because we were probably probably talking in double time. (laughs) And he was wired from the moment that we got there. He's like, I'm a little addicted to espresso, which was quite obvious. But I have this quote from him and he says, being a producer is a lot like directing a film. You want to have a look at the bigger picture. You need to be able to zoom out and help the artist get a picture of where they've always wanted to go. How cool is that? And I want to also just mention on a personal note that Anthony is one of the nicest, most genuine, good people in the music industry that I've ever met. I'm sure you would probably agree. He's so down to earth. He's worked with these superstars. He came from humble beginnings. In Chelmsford, Massachusetts, your hometown. Really? And I met Anthony when I was so young. I know I told the story on the interview, but I was mailing a song back to myself as a poor man's copyright when JC couldn't afford to even copyright a song. And Anthony happened to be with me in the post office that day. I hadn't met him. He tapped me on the shoulder when he heard what I was there to do handed me his card. And that's the kind of guy he is and still is even after having this gigantic career. Amazing. And when I sang my duet with Charlie Farron, who's a very well-known rocker, lead singer for Fahrenheit, toured with Boston for a million years, he produced a mix that record called You Are the Only One. So we both go way back with Anthony. So just in case you want to listen to this, it's season number two, episode number 12. And here comes one of our favorite, favorite stories from Anthony Resta about working with Elton John. Check it out. We had never mic'd a grand piano before. <laughs> so the first time we're going to mic a grand piano is going to be Elton John's, right? He was like singing so loud they could hear him down the street. I mean, it was unbelievable how loud his voice was. So we had the mic pre all the way down and it's like still in the red. The pad is on. It's like, you know, and it's still in the red. Like, what are we going to do? So we're like, uh, sir, dude, can you back off just a little bit? <laughs> One of the greatest accomplishments that we had, Jace, was creating a relationship with the Glen Campbell Museum. And we were so lucky to be called in there for a meeting. Actually, I think our first meeting was in late 2021, and we had such high hopes for forming a relationship with them and doing some events there. And then all of that came true for us in April of 2022, when we got to be there celebrating the birthday of Glen Campbell and all of the events that they had put together for him. You know, it was also a big vote of confidence for you and me because we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years now. And by the way, thank you guys so much for listening to this show. It means the world to us. But when you're making your way and you've got to push through all the other podcasts in the world and do something special, to have a nod from the Glen Campbell Museum 
where they say, come on in and host events from the Rhinestone stage. And by the way, interview people here. We were like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And we actually came up with the kind of outline of how these two days would go. Day number one was a panel of superstars in country music. TK Kimbrell, Mike Borchetta, and Julian Raymond, the three of them on the Rhinestone stage to talk about Glenn Campbell. And how exciting to be able to tap into every area of Glenn's career, his management, how his songs came to be, the stories that we received from these people. I don't know that a lot of people have ever actually heard them talk about it in such detail. And like you said, we were there in the middle of the Glen Campbell Museum, surrounded by his instruments, his clothing, his awards, his entire life was right there in that room. And we were getting to experience it. And here's something that I just discovered. And I shame on me as an interviewer. I should have known this when we were interviewing him earlier. But I have all these books on rock and roll and country music. And I was thinking to myself, you know, let's go back to the early parts of his career. And we talked a lot in this interview about the Wrecking Crew and the fact that that in Los Angeles was the best session musicians of all time. And he played guitar on so many hit records. It's unbelievable. Sonny and Cher's I Got You Babe, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I mean, he played on all of them. But do you guys know that he did not have a hit of his own for seven years? He started out in 1961. And it wasn't until November 2nd of 1968 when he hit radio with his first big hit. Written by Jimmy Webb, you guessed it, called Wichita Lineman. Check it out. I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the witcher tall lineman Is still on the line When we were talking to these guys, we had so many great questions, and you had one of my favorites. You asked T.K. Kimbrell what it takes to be a great manager, and here's what he said. Hopping on the shoulders of talented people, that's it. If they don't have the goods, they don't have the right voice and the right song at the right time, no matter what you do, it's not going to happen. It's all about that magic moment, right? It is. Yeah, a great singer can be a great singer and not have that song, and they'll never make it. Mm -hmm. A mediocre singer can have the right song, and they'll make it. And then there was another question about the key to success in country music, and they all took a turn answering this one. Fill in the blank. Success in country music, the key is what? The key is a song. Having the right song and the right person singing it. How about you, Julian? The key to success in country music is what? I have to echo what TK said. It's all about the song. I think that's what Glenn did best, is he, he picked songs he wanted to sing, and it felt that was closest to his heart and what he could communicate to people, and I think it still stands today. The song is everything. Well, I want to say thank you so much, T. 
TK, Julian, and Mike for being our guests on Country Music Success Stories at the Glen Campbell Museum. Thank you for sharing your stories with us tonight. Thank you. And the next day, Jace, we sat down with Kim Campbell. I remember when Kim Campbell walked into the room. You know those moments when someone walks into the room and the energy actually changes? That's what it felt like when Kim entered the Glen Campbell Museum that night. There was a certain energy. There was a certain sparkle about her. She was absolutely She's gorgeous. beautiful, for starters. Gorgeous. Absolutely. So kind, so down to earth. And to my surprise, so willing to talk about what her life and her experiences, even her really personal experiences, were being married to Glenn Campbell. <laughs> Which sometimes was not easy. And she shared that. You know, she said he really had bouts with alcoholism and they were married for 34 years. They had three children together. And at one point she looked at him and said, I need you to be a good husband. You can't drink anymore. And he took that really seriously. He was deeply, deeply in love with her. She was the one for him. But the big story that Kim shared with all of us was the goodbye tour and his diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease. And being able to tour with her children. How special that she actually got to be there to witness that bonding between her daughter, Ashley, who was there that night, who performed many of her father's songs and brought tears to every single person who was sitting there witnessing it. She was there on tour with him, just getting to witness her children having those moments with her husband, who they knew was not going to be around for that long. In fact, Cal and Shannon and Ashley, his three children, all were in the band, and there were times when they would have to take over the lyric for him. They would have to play a chord for him. He would forget what key things were in. But 151 shows over 18 months, and it was only supposed to be a five-week tour. Here's what Kim said it was like to tour with her husband and have her kids on that stage. It was so much fun, and it was something that, you know, for our family... Glenn and I and our three children, it bonded us in such a beautiful way. And we were able to just enjoy him and celebrate him while we had him with us. It was wonderful. Producer Julian Raymond co-wrote Glenn's last single with him. And the song would go on to win the Grammy for Best Country Song in 2015. Glenn's pals from the Wrecking Crew showed up to record this song with him in the studio. And it's a nod to Alzheimer's disease and the loss of Glenn's memory, but never the love part. This is I'm Not Gonna Miss You, Glenn Campbell. I'm still here, but yet I'm gone. I don't play guitar or sing my songs. It never defined who I am. The man that loved you till the end You're the last person I will love You're the last place I will recall And best of all I'm not gonna miss you One of my other 
favorite moments from that night at the Glen Campbell Museum was having our friend Bobby Tomberlin perform. We've interviewed him on the show. He does the intro to our show. That's right. He's our voiceover guy. He is. And he was there performing for everybody. And it was such a wonderful few moments to just sit back and hear him play some of his biggest hit songs. You guys, I got to tell you something. To say that J.C. Don Valeris lost her ever-loving mind about doing an interview with the one and only Cara Diaguardi. Wait, <laughs> hold on, my voice cracked. I'm still nervous talking about it. <laughs> Cara Diaguardi, one of my biggest idols in music. Not shy to admit that her picture was on my wishboard for a very long time. Okay, somebody, manifestation. It somebody works I and it's to real. Be. This was season three, episode one. You guys have to check it out. Let's start by talking about the ride to her house and needing to pull over into a parking lot so that one JC Dawn could control herself. Okay, that's a little much. I maybe was nervous. <laughs> Your foot I was want, shaking. I on wanted the to gas check pedal. my makeup. You know, I was meeting somebody who I had looked up to for a very long time. I was definitely very anxious about doing the interview with her because she's somebody who has had such an enormous career in music, somebody who's worked with every icon from Kelly Clarkson to Celine Dion to Pink. I mean, this woman has literally done it all, not to mention she was a judge on American Idol for a very long time. She's a hero of mine and getting to sit in her home in her living room and have a conversation with her. Are you kidding me? Well, she sold 160 million records worldwide. And by the way, you guys, she's also a beautiful singer. She just made a decision that she wanted to focus more on being a songwriter and also a producer. And now she's got this brand new app. She does. It's called Bridge. And she has been such a huge advocate for young, rising, up-and-coming artists for so very long. She put all of that energy into this app that she's developed called Bridge. And it basically helps to mentor new artists who need a platform to share their songwriting skills and connects them with other songwriters that they would be a good match for. Well, there's also a part in the interview where you talk to her about this. You've been really instrumental in building the careers of so many artists, Gail, Ingrid Andress, Jason Derulo, there are so many. But it takes so much more than just talent to have a successful career. So what ingredients do you look for when you are looking at a young artist and you say, that's the one I want to help? I really want to help artists who really want to help themselves. For me, it's like, if you're giving me 100%, I'm going to give you 100%. If you're only into it like 20, then that's all I can meet you at. When you're speaking about those artists, beyond their incredible talent and something that they also had to say, because for me, that's where it all begins. You know, people always say, that's so interesting. You listen to the lyrics. If you have something to say, we can figure out how to say it. I've always wanted to ask Kara about the story behind the song, Walk Away. And here's what she said about this huge hit. You co-wrote six tracks on Kelly Clarkson's second album, her sophomore album, Breakaway, including her hit, Walk Away. Talk about that. Yeah, Walk Away was a trip because it was with a married couple and they had just had a baby. And so we were kind of struggling to come up with something. And the woman, Chantal, I don't even know if she was breastfeeding in the set. I feel like she may have been. And... It was just like kind of distracting because they were married and then I had an idea and the husband was like, I really like that. And then the wife was like, no, well, let's do this. And I felt like, oh God, this is like a trip. And then she left and I thought, walk away for some reason. She just walked away and I was like, that's the song. I'm looking for attention, not another question. Should you stay or should you 
things that I was amazed to have Kara talk about, Jace, was that she sweeps the floor when she's trying to find a lyric. (laughs) I think it's it's so amazing. And I think we've heard this from so many of the people that we have interviewed, especially the songwriters and the way that they are creative. It's different for every single person. Kara needs to be doing something mindless so that creative part of her brain can kick in. So she will go around and sweep and clean her home. And, and that's when, laundry. I and that's when that. our inspiration kicks. I think she even <laughs> talked a little bit about writing some songs in the shower when she's doing something totally mindless. That's when it all comes to her. I was so impressed with how gorgeous her house was. Her husband is a contractor and they found this old craftsman home in Nashville and restored it. And she just brings songwriters there and they have all these sessions and she gives them tidbits of information. I just thought it was one of our best interviews. It was absolutely at the top of my list of the interviews that we've been able to do. And I think it's interesting how so many of these people, it's almost like the bigger the star, the more warm, down to earth and open, they're willing to be with us. And Kara is no exception to that. She's got such a big presence, but she's a tiny woman. She I is. mean, she's like 5'3 and weighs a dime, right? Really? But you have developed a friendship with her. And you spent a day with Kara Diaguardi. I did. Tell us. I did. She came down to Nashville to do an event for Bridge. And I actually connected her with the Glen Campbell Museum. She loved it so much. How could you not love the Glen Campbell Museum? It has such a positive vibe. She wanted to do an event there for her app, Bridge. And so I went with her to that. And then a few days later, we connected. She invited me to her home. We sat on <laughs> her front calls porch. calls me up and she goes, I just want you to know that I have Cara Diaguardi's cell phone number and I actually have received like texts from her. So it comes up as, hey, JC, it's Cara Diaguardi. And I'm like, oh my God. I will say, I will say I was in the car and I was on the phone with my mother and all of a sudden I had the little, you know, call waiting beep. And I looked at my phone and I was like, mom, I'm going to have to call you back. Cara Diaguardi is calling me right now. I had a little bit of a moment, (laughs) but no, she's a super normal, down-to-earth, cool person. We spent a wonderful day together. We talked on her front porch for a few hours, and then she invited me to go to a recording studio with her to tour it. It's a an amazing studio in Nashville that really supports underprivileged youth who can't really afford a recording session. They help to provide services to young artists who need that. So. Tell the story about there was one girl who stood out that day. There was. There was an absolutely phenomenal singer-songwriter. She was very young, very beautiful. Like 16. Super young. And they played one of her songs for us. And, you know, I could tell instantly that Kara was drawn to this artist. I, I, I knew instantly this was somebody that she she really thought highly of. And as we were walking out of the studio that day, she said, I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to call the president of Atlantic and see if we can get this happening for her. And she did. Just like that, she has the power to change someone's entire life. And she does that. There are a lot of people who have that power that never really utilize it, never put it to a good use. And Kara is there to help so many young artists. And that's just part of what makes her so incredible. That was season three, episode one, which by the way, we followed up. Talk about a two punch, a one two punch, Rita Wilson. I was so excited when we found out we were going to interview Rita Wilson. You worked hard on that. That was 
one of my goals for a very long time, and it took us about a year of going yeah. back and forth with her publicist to make that happen. It was, she's in LA, she's in Greece. Oh, she's gonna be in Nashville. Can we make it happen? We happened to be doing interviews that weekend and we made it happen. So huge thank you to her incredible publicity team for pulling that together for us. And it happened to be right in the middle of CMA Fest, which is the biggest country music festival in Nashville. We got to experience that entire event firsthand and interview Rita right at Music City Center at the Convention Center in Nashville. So check this out, you guys. So first of all, we were supposed to receive our credentials. Remember the story? We get into the convention hall and we go up the escalator and they have all the security there and everything. And we don't have our credentials. And we got up to the desk and our names weren't there. Some, there was some mistake, something happened. We ended up getting a very nice woman who helped us and wanted to make no, this dream come no, true no, for no, us. No, 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 Here's what happened. J.C. Don Valeris, okay, is dressed to the nines and looks like a superstar herself. And she goes up to the counter. And I think the woman just took one look at you and gave you the VIP pass. <laughs> Because I was like, what the okay. heck? It's like the doors opened and here we go. I'm if serious. If that's how you remember it, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they send us into this green room and there she is, Rita Wilson. What I remember most of all is her boots. Do you remember her boots? I do remember her boots. Oh, they're gorgeous. We'll have pictures posted, but her boots were gorgeous. Her face, she's so pretty and she's so real. She really is. I was really excited to talk to her about so many of the things that she's done in her career, not just the music, her television career, where she began her super early days. And I asked her about that. I asked her about being on television shows. And this is what she had to say. The list of TV shows you've been on is astronomically long, and they include <laughs> hits like Hawaii Five-O, Bosom Buddies, MASH, Happy Days, Three's Company, Who's the Boss, Frasier, it goes on and on. <laughs> Did you mention the Brady Bench? Let's go okay. way back. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's go way back to your first role as Pat Conway on Correct. the Brady Bunch. Yes. Were you nervous? What was it like on an iconic set like that? It was incredible. I mean, I love doing that show. It got me my Screen Actors Guild card. It was so trippy to do it because Maureen McCormick, I was 15. She was, I think, 15 and a half. She had her driver's permit, but she would drive herself to work in a chocolate brown Mercedes. And I just was like, whoa, what is that? Like, she's 15 and she has a Mercedes. It was crazy. One of the rules of the interview was we were not supposed to mention Tom Hanks' name. Remember that? I do remember that. And she mentioned her husband twice on her own. So I was super happy about that. And I must say, I have added her now to my list of people that I've made cry. You have. And I have to say that's a long list. <laughs> It's a very it long a very list. Long it's not list. a short list. <laughs> you know, we ask the kind of questions, though, that really get to the heart of things. And when we asked her what her key to success in her career had been, she surprised us both by saying faith. My faith has kept me going from the beginning of my career until this very day. Now, yesterday, my husband and I were watching 1883, the series, okay, and who's on there 
but Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, they're the big stars. But there's a scene with Rita Wilson where she gets drunk with Faith Hill. It's the funniest scene ever. I remember before the interview started, too, we were sitting there setting up and doing all of our little pleasantries that we do when we first walk into our interviews. I started off by saying, Rita, we have a couple things in common. We share a birthday, which we do. And I said, my husband is Greek. (laughs) And she immediately said to me, well, what are your Greek restaurant recommendations in Nashville? You drew a blank. I did draw a blank. (laughs) There aren't very many good ones. I'm not going to lie, but I did come up with one and I told her, but it was so funny because, you know, when you sit down with these superstars, you don't think you're going to have these personal conversations. And then you end up talking about things like restaurants and beauty tips and clothes and all of this stuff. And it's just, it's really such an exciting and heartwarming thing to get to be a part of. The reason why we got the interview was because she wanted to promote her new album, which is called Now and Forever. And it's timeless duets from the 1970s. Weren't you so impressed with the quality of her voice? She has an unbelievable voice and it really does lend itself to country music. Well, she does a duet with Keith Urban, Tim McGraw, Willie Nelson, Jackson Brown, Vince Gill, Elvis Costello, Jimmy Allen. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I was just so impressed with her from the inside out. Season three, episode six and seven is our two part story of Pam Tillis. We had to make it two parts because her (laughs) career, her stories, her awards, her singles, her everything about her. Larger than life. It's larger than life. We were so happy that we did the interview at the Glen Campbell Museum because her father, Mel Tillis, his career was directly influenced by Glen Campbell. It was. And I remember when Pam got there, we were talking about that with the people who run the museum. And they said, well, it's interesting that, Pam, you should be here today because oftentimes when the videos are running in all of the different rooms, Mel Tillis's face is front and center on those screens. So after the interview, we got to walk around the museum and let her see a little bit of her dad and the experiences that he had had with Glenn Campbell. So we sit down right there at the Glenn Campbell Museum. And as I recall, we were sitting next to Glenn Campbell's suit that he got married in with Kim Campbell's itsy bitsy teeny weeny size zero wedding dress right there. And we just had the most amazing time talking about her career. And she started out by saying, you know, I had to work my way into this business, even though I was Mel Tillis's daughter, I had to get started doing session work, jingle work, being a demo singer. And here's what she said about that time in her life. Cutting jingles one day, I was about to do a a commercial for a core silver bullet. And they said, well, you're going to cut the female version, and there's a kid that's working in the mailroom at TNN, and he's just starting out, but he's got something, and uh, he's going to do the male version. And he showed up, and a tall, skinny kid, a tall, blonde, long hair, Alan Jackson, just starting out, very shy, very differential. So I met some interesting people in the studio. We also talked about the fact that we'd had been to her childhood home. We had twice. We interviewed Amy Mayo and Chris Lindsay on two different occasions in the home that Pam Tillis grew up in. Her father, Mel Tillis, owned that gorgeous home. They have now renovated it. There is a humongous recording studio with multiple rooms. Everybody from Taylor Swift to John Legend have recorded there. And we spent two really, really special afternoons in her childhood home. Everything comes full circle in country music. Isn't that so true? Everything does. And I remember it was this beautiful oak-lined street, these ancient oak trees. It was just unbelievable. 
unbelievable. It made me feel closer to her being able to say to her, hey, I've been to your childhood home. So there. Hits, six number ones, 14 top 10 songs, 15 CMA and ACM nominations. And you've known her for a million years. Well, yeah, pretty close. When I first moved to Nashville, my first job working with an artist was with Pam Tillis. She was kind enough to offer me a position with her team doing her digital marketing. And I was with her for several years. And that led me to a whole lot of other opportunities. She opened a lot of doors for me. And I will never forget that. Well, I wanted to ask her about the stories behind some of her biggest hits. And of course, I had to ask her about Maybe It Was Memphis. I had a singles deal with Warner Brothers. They released it. It didn't do anything. It was bad. It wasn't a good version. It had saxophone on it. It was weird. It wasn't, I didn't sing it as well. But all I knew is between the time I had that record deal and the time I got my Arista record deal, I kept singing the song at the Bluebird and every little gig I had and people would go nuts. JC, if you had to just put a word to what it was like to be in that room with Pam Tillis and to talk about all these big hits, what would you say? I would have to say it was a full circle moment for me growing up, watching her on television, learning all of her songs when I was a teenager, getting to work with her, getting to experience what her life was like firsthand as her assistant, and then getting to be in the room to actually talk about every aspect of her career and how all of that had come together, her struggles. Like you said, she had to work incredibly hard to get to where she was, even though she was the daughter of somebody very famous. She never used that to open doors for her. She always made it on her own. So it was really a full circle moment for me. That's season three, episodes six and seven for Pam Tillis. What an incredible year 2022 was for us, don't you think? Such an incredible year for so many reasons. We got to be a part of so many live events. We hosted things together. We won awards together. That's right, we did. We got two more. So now the show has four awards. We're very proud of that. And I have high hopes for 2023. I don't know about you. Well, one of the things that we would love, and we're going to put it out into the universe, and if you are a radio person listening to this program and you're in country radio, we want you. We want to syndicate this program to classic country radio. And we'll let you know how that goes. And speaking of classic country radio, the artists that we have coming up in 2023 on the show, mega superstars like Lori Morgan, who has had so many number one songs. (laughs) She is a Grand Ole Opry member, daughter of George Morgan, famous Grand Ole Opry star, We had the most incredible day with her. It was actually the morning after Keith Whitley's Country Music Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and Lori accepted that induction on Keith's behalf. It was very emotional, too. And I'll tell you what, this house of hers, which is way outside of Nashville, took us a while to get to it, filled with sparkles and spangles, and it was just, you could tell you were in the home of a star. It was very Lori. (laughs) Very Lori. 
in that same week was very busy for us. I think we did like six interviews that week and we're releasing them little by little by little. One of them was with someone you grew up really admiring, Sylvia. Sylvia has been a huge influence on my career. Her song, Nobody, humongous hit for her. And one of the things that I loved the most about being in that interview was that we got to do it in a place that was so special to her, which was a recording studio that she recorded her most recent album. And it felt like we were in this place where she is the most creative. So as we look forward, we've got Lori Morgan. And I think we might end up, you know, that's such a long interview, Jace. I think we might end up doing that in two parts. I think so. Then we've got Sylvia. And then we've got a songwriter. Oh, my God. I was so impressed with this guy. Steve Dean. Talk about him. Huge hit songwriter. Watching you for Rodney Atkins. Steve has been a giant influence as well on my career. He was one of the very first songwriters when I moved to Nashville that gave me an opportunity to write with him. Super down to earth. Let us also take note that this is another person Candy O'Terry has made cry on the microphone. Just continue to add that to the list of 2023 artists. <laughs> That's right. I almost forgot about that. I think we were just talking about what this career has meant to him. But more than anything else, he shared the story about how his father had told him to never give up. Do you remember that story? Yes, it was about the moment that Steve told his father he was going to become a father. And he said something to his father along the lines of, I guess I should go get a real job now. And his father said, don't you dare. And he didn't. And he became one of the biggest hit songwriters Nashville has ever seen. So take note of that because you've just got to stick with your dreams sometimes. You know, that's so true. And I feel as if doing these interviews, and I hope our audience feels the same way, we want to give you content you can't get anywhere else. And when you do a long form interview like we do, and you're in the home or in the recording studio or on the back porch with these people, they tend to really confide in you. Being in their space, being around their furniture, their family, their cozy chair, their photographs, their awards, everything that makes up their entire life, it opens them up a little bit more. And we are incredibly blessed, lucky, and grateful to be able to do this. And we're thankful. So thank you guys very much for every download and for every time you suggest our show to someone as a place to feel inspired and a place to feel like if you love country music, you're going to fall in love with these artists when you get to know them the way that we do. I think the moral of the story with every episode we've done up until this point is no matter what your goal and dream for yourself is, there is someone else who has made the biggest dream and biggest goal come true for them. And if they can do it, you can do it. We'll see you next time on Country Music Success Stories. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. There they are, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Dawn Valeris, two award-winning interviewers who are respected and trusted right here in Nashville. Do us a favor and hit that subscribe button right now and tell your friends about the show. Follow them at Country Music Success Stories and on TikTok at Candy and JC. 